I remember it louder. Don't worry, free shipping now. All right, guys. So you're in your car on your way to work. You're frustrated. It's Monday or Thursday. I don't know when you listen to the podcast, but you know you maybe got that doctor's bill or the car back for the third time from the shop because the brake lights aren't working. Your mechanic sucks. Just release all the angst in yourself and buy some shrimp. At BlueCronAquatics.com, you can get... Free shipping. Free shipping? Free shipping. Free shipping. Using promo code Aquarium Guys. Free shipping for your shrimp now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And don't forget about our favorite charity of choice, the Ohio Fish Rescue. They are there to support fish that need a bigger home. If you bought that Paku, doesn't belong in a five gallon aquarium. Big Rich is there for you. OhioFishRescue.com. Buy a t-shirt, support them, call them and tell them you love them. And do it late. And let's kick that podcast because I can't stand this happy music. This happy music sucks. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'm... I'm ecstatic. Happy New Year, buddy. Uh, Happy New Year. The Vikings just won. The Viking, Minnesota Vikings? Yes, they took down the Saints. And uh, who that nation? Saints suck. No one knows, all right? (laughs) If you're from New Orleans, know that we don't hate you. We just hate your terrible team. No, we hate Drew Brees. We we, we hate your terrible team because they're cheaters. The only person that I enjoy on the team is that Hill person that decided to take over for Drew Brees. It seemed to do a better job than Drew Brees. What about Bridgewater? Bridgewater was good. Oh no, he fell apart for a reason. That's why the Saints have to pick him up because they know a good turd when they see it. <laughs> All right, shine a turd. All right, I swear this isn't a sports podcast, so let's get back to business. I'm Rob Zolson. Hey, I'm Jim Colby, and I'm Adam Elnashar. Welcome again, everyone. This week, I got to tell you a story. So, well, before that, let's introduce guest Jim. Please take the honors. Hey, I am really excited today. We have talked. We have begged, pleaded. We paid a large amount of money which is two beers. Two beers. Two beers to have my friend Tyler Talsrud from United Aquarium come on today. You probably heard him earlier on an earlier podcast when we had Sean Kramer with the 2,000-gallon aquarium. And Ty is his right-hand man. He's also one of my best friends. And he also owns a aquarium company called United Aquarium where he does... Custom tank building. Custom tanks building. And uh, what else do you do, Ty? Whatever the need arises. <laughs> Whatever the need arises. Basically, he, business aquarium guru. That's, and that's he, he does some water features also. That's what I was trying to lead into. Again, thanks yeah, for uh, coming on the show, Ty. Yeah, you bet. I'm ecstatic to be here. Ecstatic? That is a big word. Well, secretly, he's a big fan, even though he's a friend of yours. I mean, he didn't want to tell you that he's a fan, but... Uh, right. Because I'm his favorite yeah. host, clearly. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So now that we've uh, accomplished introductions, we got some cleanup to do, right? This is our first podcast I'm of the just, new year, first of all. Well, first of all, right? But then I'm just going to get this off my chest right now because I know you're going to make fun of me are you forevermore. Tell, are you going to tell everybody about your, your new nickname that I gave you? Well, what is my new nickname, sir? Nubs. So the story behind Nubs is uh, I was ordering some Chinese product in. <laughs> I decided wow. to get myself high quality stuff. High quality glass plant pots for in the aquarium with suction cups. But when you get stuff from China, it doesn't really have warning labels on it. So it's not my fault, Jimmy. I'm like you, you like you wouldn't have read it anyway, you dipwad. Uh, that's that's fair. These are nice. You can look them up. They're like little glass pots with suction cups. I put it on Discord. I put it on our I believe our Facebook page. Uh, if not, I can make sure it's on there after this episode. 
But uh, I decided that I was going to try to pull off one of the suction cups because it's really strong on there because I was trying to readjust yeah. it. Yeah, you're a six foot two guy and, and you're trying to pull off a suction cup. What happened? Right. Uh, what happened? So Professor Dum Dum. You can't. With these things, you have to either put the suction cup on direct or pull off direct. You cannot bend to left or right because glass doesn't bend. Glass I doesn't bend. Ah, oh, there's something new that we've learned. Right. So I shattered my hand. and You uh, shattered your hand or cut, cut your fingers? I, I shattered it in my hand and oh, okay. cut uh, down to the bone. That was funny. I right. Laughed. I laughed my head off when you sent me that picture. And uh, so, Rob, my wife and I are at my house, uh, and, and we've got company, and we both get a text from Rob about the same time. And I open it up. Oh my God! There's his finger and his thumb just bleeding profusely, and he's at the doctor's office having it stitched up. Jen goes, "Did you see what Robbie just sent us?" And I went, "Yeah, I did." And she goes, "Thank God he wasn't getting a bisectomy today." I said, "Yeah, no kidding." It actually happened the day after we released the last podcast. So in my phone, I still had like a lot of favorites and whatnot. So I took pictures, of course, me at the doctor's office getting stitches because I think it's cool. Because I mean, everybody wants to see that. Everybody yeah. wants yeah. to see it. Like, come no. on, what is it? And like, so I have like my hand caked in blood, you know, five stitches in the finger, and uh, I decided to send you know pictures to my most immediate friends. And I just like to apologize to Mr. Sean Kramer <laughs> because <laughs> I missent my bloody hands to him as a, a text message, and I just realized this like a few days ago. So uh, my bad, and I need to like go through my phone to see who else got the shockingly bloody pictures. So my apologies, but they are no longer infected. I'm able to use them fully. So uh, they just look terrible. I am not Nubs, sir. Yeah, That's your name, offensive. Your, your, your new nickname is Nubs. Thanks for the apology for sending it to me. You don't seem to care that you sent no, it to me. No, no, no. I was having dinner with friends, and I get this picture like, ew. Okay, there's three things in life that you share with your friends, right? A good smell, like a raunched fart. Like, dude, oh, that's terrible. Here, take a sniff, right? No. Uh, you do that with something that tastes terrible. Like, oh, this is awful. Here, you want to try one? No. And you also do is like, oh, my God, what was that you just sent me a picture of? No. That's what friends are for. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a little class later on about etiquette. Well. And, it, and you're going to be my star pupil. As long as the, you know, it's not in a glass container. That's right. That's you're pretty, giving me the lesson. So right? it was pretty funny. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Rob's ended up in the ER over uh, Christmas break. And we took off, what, two weeks, right? I think. Over, yeah. You we, did. I, I mean, Adam and I, we, we got back in the studio. We got another podcast coming up here soon that you just slumped up on. That's right, because I was I was making merry, and so that's what I really enjoy about Christmas is I don't have to put up with you two guys. You didn't even make us like a popcorn thing for our, our tree or nothing. You just ignored us. Ignored you, yes. That's perfect. Back to the real news. During Christmas season, we got to look at the reviews and whatnot, and we have, I just have to pick one of us, because we got quite a few reviews to our podcast, and thank you all for whoever gave us five stars on Apple, Stitcher, whatever platform they're listening to, but we have a fantastic review that I have to go over and made my day. All right, read your mom's review. My mom's review. No, no, no. Marine Flyers fan says, binge listening greatness. I just got back from the hobby after several years away and was looking for fish keeping podcast and found these guys yesterday. I listened to them nonstop for hours going back through all the previous episodes. So good. The banter back and forth keeps me laughing. This is a must-listen podcast. Please subscribe. My favorite was story time. I'm pleading with you. Please do more of this. Signed, Rob's mom. Not Rob's mom. My mom would not uh, appreciate story time. Don't listen to that podcast, mom. Absolutely not. This is not the only person that's been demanding more story time, so Jim is happy to uh, announce that there will be more story times in the future. We are going to have another story time soon. And it'd probably be the next uh, couple, two, three months, because we have to uh, make stuff up and drink beer and think about it. Well, I think next story time, it shouldn't be just us. I think we should get some 
prior guests from the podcast and do like a, a group concession story time. Let's call Big Rich at four o'clock in the morning because he likes it. He's got stories, man. I know that guy's got stories. He's got stories. All right, Jimmy, yes. you have stuff to give away. I have stuff to give away. I have got plant bulbs and we're going to give them away to five different listeners. We're going to send you 10 plant bulbs. And what kind of plant bulbs did I get? I think I got tiger lilies, or what did I get? You got it's it's a you got a random bunch. You got apoms or different ones in yes. there. You got tiger lilies. The sweet stuff that you get is just going to go out without without label. They're well, going to have fun, just like I did planting some of the stuff. Right. And so if, if something grows in your tank and it looks illegal, it's probably not. It's definitely not. Definitely not. No. No. Not Unless you're in Australia, then you need something illegal because you're on fire. You're on fire. I forgot about Our that. Our condolences to you and yours. We know we have some uh, hard Australian listeners. We're, we're getting uh, more popular in that country, and uh, that's just terrible what's going on, and our condolences. Perfect. I know. I brought the mood down. I'm so sorry. Thanks a lot. So what we're doing this time is we have a random number generator. That is to make sure that Jim doesn't cheat and pick uh, all the people that he thinks has a sexy name. So is this like bingo? Like B5. No. No, I just type in the total number of contestants and we hit a button and then you get to read their name. Did we have more than five? We definitely have more than five. We have plenty of people that have put their name in the hat. Although, if you did not put in a full address, we are not going to include you in this. There was a couple people that just put their street and number, did not put a city, state, or zip. You know, So they living in a box down by the river? Maybe they're homeless. I don't know. Amazon, living in a cardboard box down by the river. Amazon has better power than us. They can ship to those addresses. That's we can't. correct. Absolutely. So, number random generator says... Wait, wait, Adam, we need a drum roll. I apologize for your ears right now, listeners. Wow. It is... Right there, you got to read it for me, Jimmy. Scott Reed. Scott Reed, you, sir, are one of our winners. Now, how many winners do you want to give out, Jimmy? Five. Five. All right. Five. Let's do it again. I'm only going to the post office one time. One time. All right, here we go. Hit the button, and the corresponding person is... Oh, my goodness. Edgar Arlega? I don't know how to get that one, so Edgar A. That's our Edgar A. Edgar A. You are the proud owner of... Some plant bulbs. All right, let's do this one more time. They're all listening like, come on, do with me. Oh, I don't know if he should qualify. You know what? He qualifies. He signed up. Doesn't matter who. We did not put limitations on this. Joe Thiessen? Tyson. Remember? Tyson. Mike he, Tyson's uh, brother. Yes. Joe Shrimp Shack, you get some apom bulbs, some mystery some. bulbs, some lotus bulbs. Whatever comes in the pack, you're going to get some. I forgot about the shrimp guy. He was excellent. How dare you forget? Next, we're going to get Big Rich. All right. Next contestant up for biz is... <laughs> terrible that was that was great steve romano all right steve romano congratulations from steve. the romano family of cheeses right i thought you were gonna be like a never everybody loves raymond joke no nobody likes raymond nobody likes raymond all right and the last winner justin templeton all right congratulations justin from the templeton family so again thank you for signing up we're gonna get those bulbs out to you we'll be in touch definitely share those pictures hashtag aquarium guys wherever you put them on social media your package will come in the mail, unmarked. Don't sign for it. Have them leave it at the door. Watch out for the feds. You don't. You don't know what's going. Use a camera. You don't want people stealing this. Your iPhone's fine, but don't let them steal your plant balls. Exactly. That's all we're saying. All right. All right. So before we begin, just a reminder to you know subscribe to this. Have downloads push automatically to your phone because that's. That's how we get our numbers boosted. That really helps us out. Support our sponsors. And if you want to support us directly because you love this podcast, you want to hear uh, Jimmy's didgeridoo, or you don't want to hear Jimmy's didgeridoo. We want to hear the didgeridoo. Yeah, everybody wants to hear the didgeridoo. And then the guy that said didgeridoo don't, 
I'm going to didgeridoo. Oh, my. Yeah. You, you called him out. I called him out. But if you want to support this podcast directly, you can go to our, our website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. In the bottom, there's a tip jar. You can donate once. You can donate monthly if you want to support us. Every uh, bit helps to get new equipment, and we're definitely going to be doing live streaming. We're working to schedule it actually around some other content creators' uh, schedules so we can all uh, be a part of a big, happy family. We're all going to get together, and we're going to do uh, stuff uh, with green screen technology. I think that we should do like a celebration podcast. Like once we hit like 50,000 listens, we should get a video of Adam getting like Nickelodeon slimed. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. I'm no. totally. How about we just do electric shock therapy? That'd be fun, too. To my face? No. Not to your face. We'll do it that, to Adam. To his face is better. Oh, uh, if you want to see that on YouTube, check that nope, out. Nope, nope, that doesn't exist. It Moving doesn't exist. on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right, well, let's uh, let's start with the interview with, with Ty. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate that. And thanks for hooking us up with uh, with Sean. That was a that was a hell of a, a journey that uh, you actually helped him build with. Let's let's start there. So what crazy aquariums besides that have you done? Well, I don't know if I've done anything quite that on that scale but, uh, before that. Most of the stuff I do is commercial installations, things like hospitals, nursing homes. We do some residential stuff. You know, for the most part, though, I really I deal mostly in commercial tanks. Some of the things that you do on top of it is not only do you set it up, of course, you do continual maintenance and uh, you do whatever setup. I believe that there's a school that I used to go to that you still do. A saltwater aquarium and a pond with, is that correct? In Detroit Lakes? Yep, we, we do. Yep, we do mean it. You know, it's one of those things where it's design is kind of the main thing I'm doing. And then uh, we do build out and then we do maintenance also. And part of that's just we do maintenance for some people because they're only interested in the initial setup if we do the maintenance. <laughs> That sort of thing. So let's start at the beginning. You know, what got you into the fish hobby? How long have you been doing it? Basically forever. I was a hobbyist as a kid, did kind of the, the standard stuff that everybody else does. Had a few tanks growing up, took a little time away from the hobby during maybe high school, college age. And then when I met my wife, she was in the pet business. So got back in again. So drug back in by family. What That's the right. Got back in the pet business. What? How did you get drug back in? She, she owned a pet store? Yes. So, well, actually, when we first met, she was managing a pet store for somebody else. And then she went out and started her own. So I helped work that with her, kind of did the fish thing and got more or less convinced to do the maintenance side. I, we got pulled into more or less just customers that needed help and the design and, and build thing just kind of grew out of that. I've known your wife for a long, long time, probably I think a little bit longer than you actually. Uh, she was one of my customers. She decided to put in a pet store in my town. When you guys were driving every day, you were driving what, 90 miles a day? to go to your pet store yeah just about and that's just one way so that just shows the dedication that they have going back and forth uh, with a with a pet store and for many years i rented the basement of their pet store and i ran my wholesale operation out of there ty and heidi owned the top of the building and stuff where they did all the retail operation stuff so we became very close and uh, and great friends over the years and stuff once you went into the tank maintenance how did you get into the commercial accounts boy i don't you know i don't i'm not even sure i remember at this point but a uh, lot of golf tournaments <laughs> i think i think what it is with the commercial stuff is they're a different type of customer they want a tank that looks good all the time with as little input from them as possible i think what probably happened was we had some of the administrators or something were shopping in the store probably went from there if i remember right and then from there on out, it was just word of mouth. Once you get one, they're like, hey, I know a fish guy. Just all downhill from there. 
Well, yeah, and and generally speaking, it would be so. I do a lot of stuff when, like, when a new hospital is being built, I'll get a call from the architect, and they'll look for the aquarium design with them on location, size, all that sort of stuff. Work with the construction managers once construction starts, and then we come in and install kind of at the tail end. You know, carpets going in, that sort of stuff is when we come in. And then what'll happen is an administrator from another facility will be touring that facility when that facility opens, and they'll say, "Okay, who did the aquariums?" and then you know, it's just one step after another. So let's do a good and bad scenario because I got to see some of uh, your work in the field. There is a newer, to me it was newer, hospital in Staples, Minnesota, and I'm assuming the architect there contacted you ahead of time. Is that correct? Uh, they did, yep. So in Staples, Jim and I actually, Jim and I did that one together. Perfect. In Staples, Minnesota, they have uh, multiple waiting rooms, and it's essentially the, wrapped around a circular part of the building. And in the waiting rooms, they have them sectioned, you know, A, B, C, kind of in a bigger hospital setting. And in between, you have these large, you know, mixed cichlid tanks, and it looks really good. The lighting's well-placed. It essentially got appropriate spacing for children so they don't uh, necessarily ruin the tanks continually, and it's, it's done really, really well. And then we have another hospital, which I won't name, that decided, I'm assuming the architect didn't contact you, and they put it in the middle of a giant lobby with three glass walls out to the outdoors, and it just gets caked in algae. So you try to work good and bad. That one we used a mono shrimp with. Are they still going? They are, actually, yep. So no matter what uh, what they do, you uh, you seem to find a, a niche for it and have uh, done some certainly unique well, tanks. That's, that's just it because uh, you know in a lot of cases this will they'll be adding the aquarium during a remodel. They'll be doing it as a retrofit, maybe maybe they're replacing something, maybe they're remodeling the waiting room. In those cases, you really don't have as many options in terms of design. The ideal situation is that you know we get contacted right away. We kind of work through it with the architect. We are able to give them some guidance as far as what to avoid in terms of especially windows placement that sort of thing and you also get to sell them a lot of sterilizers also yeah right no well that's the thing though is that uh, these days most of these facilities are built kind of the newer trend is to make them brighter that's kind of the enemy of the tank of course if we can't place the tank of course here in the northern hemisphere we're placing against the south wall if possible without the windows facing facing the glass in the tank but sometimes that can be tough because that clinic may be oriented that way specifically by the architect for that reason as they're trying to capture natural light so and a lot of these tanks end up in children's areas also Children like the bright colors of the fish, the fast-moving fish. What do you normally put in those tanks? Uh, pediatrics, I guess lately, the last couple of years, it's been mostly glowfish, but we've done parrotfish before. They're kind of fun, interactive. Depends, I guess. Clownfish are nice if they're doing a saltwater tank. Something that the kids can kind of recognize in a way are interactive enough and colorful enough that it keeps their attention. You can't beat Nemo when you set up a saltwater tank for kids. You know what I mean? Right. Every once in a while, my wife and I will stop and, and do a little maintenance for Ty if he's running low and we're happen to be in this neighboring town. And we talk about going over there and de-sliming the tank because it's in the pediatric area where all these kids with runny noses and sweaty hands leave boogers all over the tank like they've been slimed by Slimo from Ghostbusters. And it's, you go in there and with a, a thing of Windex and you clean, you go, I think I got it all. And as you're cleaning it, you look across and there's another three-year-old looking at you through the other side of the tank with snot running down his face with his hands yeah. on the tank. You just want to punch yeah, with him. His, with his nose pressed up against the glass while right. you're doing the other side. And that's, that's the point where I punch him in the throat. <laughs> what, if what? only. If only. You know, no. 
it's one of those things where I, I try to keep a good sense of humor about it because in a way that means that the kids are making use of it, right? So they're they're not on their tablet, they're not watching the TV, they're at the tank. So I guess that's maybe that's a good sign for the, the fish keeping hobby in general that kids are interested in tanks. Yeah, because you know we've talked about it over and over on this podcast how after uh, Walmart's and some of the big box stores have taken fish out, these kids aren't seeing fish like they used to in every you know Walmart or or Woolworths or Pomida or whatever you want to throw out there. As much as a lot of us don't like those big box stores doing what they've done in the years past, it does put that in front of the kids, and it also then creates excitement and creates an interest, and then that's how we get these people back into the hobby or get these kids started in hobby. Wait, does that mean that you're going to be getting an aquarium for your grandson? My, my grandson just got a new puppy for Christmas. Right, so next Christmas is aquarium. Pony. Pony. Yeah, they don't know about pony. it yet. You're, you're flying high. Yeah, he's going to get a pony. He doesn't know about it yet. He's almost a year old. He doesn't listen to the podcast then. He doesn't even look good. at me. Yeah. Good, good. The main reason we got you on, Ty, is for your expertise in tank building. And we have a lot of uh, requests from people across the podcast asking, you know, what are some of the best ways of, you know, do I build my tank? How do I repair tanks? And who better than a guy that builds massive custom tanks, right? I don't mind doing some, some tank building itself, to be honest. I, I think most of the time, most people are best served by buying a glass or acrylic tank that's been manufactured and then doing the rest themselves. When I look at, you know, tank building, I look at it as the whole, not just the, you know, what I call the glass acrylic tank. Really what it comes down to is there's so much more that goes into it in terms of the total design of the system. That tank itself is is really just a fractional part of that whole. So Ty, we brought you on the podcast. You are a tank building expert, and we have so many questions from so many of our listeners that want to know more tips and tricks about building a tank, the materials used, best practices. So what I want to do is walk us through. You you told us on, you know, architects contact you. You try to find the best position. Go from there, and let's just say Jimmy is your pain-in-the-ass customer that says, I want a 300-gallon tank. I want a 300-gallon tank. I don't know what I'm doing, and I want it to look pretty all the time. All the time. All the time. Walk us through the process time. And so, I not those kids. Oh, right. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a different process depending on if it's a homeowner or a commercial customer. Only because no, it no, depends this, on... This goes in Jim's boating business. It's going to go... I have a boating business. It's going to go on the shore. It's going to look like some sort of uh, you know shack. You know, it's a there business. It's a business. Yeah. yeah I'm going to be Thurston Hall III from Gillings Island. Jim e- God's lovey. <laughs> Jim's I'm, long motorboating. That's what uh, we're going to call I'm, it. We're not, not Jim. Well, I do motorboat from time to time. <laughs> Just Jim's motorboating. All right, oh, go. My we God. are getting off a tangent here. Let Ty talk, sir. All, All right. right. Please tell us. I'll be good. 300 uh, gallon I guess, Jim's motorboating. I guess the best place to start is going to be to uh, look at placement. So you want to try to stay away from direct light as much as possible, unless you're an algae lover. I think there's forums for that, algaelovers.com. Um, <laughs> Long name, amazing results. Yeah. If you like pea soup. Generally, generally speaking, what people are looking for is they want a tank that they can look at. It looks nice almost all the time with the minimal amount of maintenance. That's So that's kind of how I design things. I'm looking for the best spot I can find with the least amount of natural light. I'm looking for things like if this is, if, especially if it's a retrofit, if this building's already there, I'm looking to see, do we have enough power in that spot? And then I'm going to go through with the customer, what type of tank are they looking for? Do they have like an example or, or things that they really like? 
So freshwater, saltwater, those sort of things. Then we get into the minutiae, the, whether it's going to be glass tank or acrylic tank. So what makes you decide that glass or acrylic? For most customers, at least most of my customers, glass is the better choice. Glass is less likely to scratch. And that's probably the biggest reason that we use it. I would say probably 70% of the tanks that I do are glass. It's just a lot more resilient to those snot-nosed kids we were talking about earlier. When they're taking their Hot Wheels toy and going back and forth across the face of it, when they're throwing tennis balls against it, that sort of thing. <laughs> so why would you acrylic, use acrylic? Acrylic is good in certain circumstances. So if you have a, if you have a big tank, most bigger aquariums are going to be acrylic, and that has a lot to do with the seam strength of the acrylic itself. A, an acrylic seam is much stronger than a glass and silicone seam. But when you say that, much stronger, we're talking about pounds per square inch, most glass tanks that are out there, you could not fill them and let them, you know, you could run that tank for 20 years and never have a leak as long as the stand was built correctly. But if you're talking about a really big tank, so Sean Kramer's tank, um, tanks of that nature, you get into the three, four, five, you know, hundred gallon tanks, and then you get into the thousand plus gallon tanks. Seam strength is is an issue. So at that stage, acrylic is going to be a better choice. So the question I hear when talking about this is, why wouldn't you just do thicker glass? Wouldn't that just be the fix and you wouldn't really have to worry because you have more seam to glue? So people who say, why not use thicker glass are chiropractors. Because... I've helped him carry a lot of these tanks. <laughs> right. I, I totally get it. <laughs> that's right. That's where you go. No, the, the thickness of the actual material, whether it be glass or acrylic, is based solely on, or almost solely, on the height of the tank itself. Because water pressure is based on height. So it's head height is what's creating that pressure that's on those seams. A tank that is a, you know, sometimes you used to see those glass tanks that were, I don't remember, what did they call those? Was it a 40 extra high or a, or a 50 extra high or something they were they were basically had the the footprint of a 10 gallon tank except they were ridiculously tall what was that jim oh, oh the yeah. extra talls yeah i mean even like yeah. the, the, the remember the 110 gallon extra high tank we had oh those things sucked yeah i mean i'm a midget and i can't get my arms down there far enough to even work on them but the glass was so thick it was it took seven men and four mules to carry i'd have paid 10 bucks to see you try to decorate that tank i'm gonna smuck you in the goddamn throat you're so pretty tonight oh shut up <laughs> so yeah. so that's the thing is that uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, we we, yeah, we ruined do. it for you there. See, Jimmy tonight, he's he's what two beers down? 3? Maybe. Right. Yeah. It's all his fault. I, so I got I got to get him. another one. That's that's part of my problem. Right. That's right. This uh I'm drinking 16 ounce. I don't know about you. This advertisement not sponsored by McGolden Light. It should be. Right. I, Call us. Send me some free beer. We'll we'll work on that together. Okay. We we've so got anyway, materials. The, the, the higher the tank the thicker the glass because of the, the amount of incredible water pressure, correct? Right, exactly. Once you get above about maybe 18 to 20 inches, that's when there starts to be actual pressure on those bottom seams. So as you kind of creep up past that 24-inch mark and then towards 29, 29 is kind of a, when you go shopping for glass tanks in an aquarium store or a fish store, 29 is about as tall as what they're going to carry. Because once you pass that point, you start to really build pressure on that bottom seam and then that glass has to really be thickened up and then of course that brings weight along with it too and that brings an incredible um, uh, bigger price also because that glass is so much thicker it's a lot more money right and you're going to lose visibility too because the thicker that glass is so 
the standard glass that's used for glass aquariums is actually, you know, as you look through that end, everybody has seen that. It's kind of a green color. That's the iron in the glass. To combat that, sometimes you'll see a thick tank where the glass is maybe almost approaching three quarters of an inch thick. But sometimes what they'll do is they'll use a low E glass for that. So, for example, the tank that you guys looked at at the gym is low E glass. Uh, sometimes you hear manufacturers' names for low E glass, like Diamond Fire, and there's a couple of different brand names for that type of glass. But that's a low iron glass. And what that what is what's low iron glass? I mean, what's that? What's my advantage of having that? The advantage is solely clarity. The disadvantage, of course, is that it becomes a lot like acrylic in the sense that it is softer. So if you take traditional glass, so if you just go to the store, you're going to go to your local fish store or Petco, and you're going to buy an aquarium, that's going to be kind of standard plate glass. You may have a tempered panel or two, you know, the bottom, potentially even the sides, depending on what size it is. But for the most part, that's regular glass. The advantage of that is that it's relatively cheap and it's relatively tough to scratch. As you move towards low E glass, it is softer, not to the point that acrylic is, but it's definitely much easier to scratch than a typical tank. So you ever use like Corning tempered Gorilla Glass? I'm just going. Uh, I'm going at something of a new perspective of the questions that we're going to get asked. Jim, just, Jim's looking at me like, what "This you, isn't an iPhone." What did you just make up, man? Gorilla Glass. Yeah, they have no, this. That's the real thing. Tempered glass. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah most but, iPhone screens have t- Gorilla Glass on them. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. I don't think any. I don't think that application. I don't think you can buy it for that. People were talking about tempered glass. Tempered glass. What we learned is that you can't drill it. You ding it right. correctly, you, and the whole thing shatters. You specifically learned that, I remember right. <laughs> I Whoa, did. story. Yeah, we were drilling tanks. Have you ever drilled tanks? Have you ever gone to the dentist and had somebody drill in your mouth? Now, take that times a thousand, put your head in a tank and start drilling with a with a diamond bit, and then have the whole thing shatter because it was tempered, and we didn't know it was tempered. Was it filled? No. Oh, no. I thought that would have been a better story. No, but it was like $200 down the crapper. You know, that, that That's not fun. Because Ty and I are writing a book, and how do you lose money? I'll show you how to lose money. Well, that's what Acrylic's we're here for. a lot easier to drill. Uh, to Sean's s- tank, actually, I drilled 21 holes in Sean's tank. Wow. And do you still use like a diamond drill bit, or do you have to use a special acrylic bit? Actually, no. In acrylic, you can use either a, a standard wood bit that's going to cut through pretty fast, or you can use a, a metal hole saw bit. Oh, incredible. I didn't know it was that easy to drill through acrylic. For, do you have to lube easy. it up or anything? Like make keep it wet or anything? Or no? you, have to, you have to keep it cool, and you have to go through kind of in one shot. Because if you get halfway through and you quit halfway through or it, or it gets so hot that it gums up, then actually your drill bit's going to get kind of fused into that plastic, and then you're done. There's a technique to it, especially thicker acrylic. So you, you'll cool it typically like you'd cool glass. You'll make a, a plumber's putty ring around the hole that you're trying to drill. Then you'll fill that with water, and then you'll drill through it. And we learned that when we were doing uh, glass tanks. We drilled a lot of glass tanks one night after a couple of beers. And it was, inc- I mean, I went to bed that night, and I still could hear the sound of the grinding of the glass going into my head. It was just an, a, a nauseating sound. But we uh, we got to be really good at drilling glass when we were putting in, um, what do you call those things? Aquariums? No. Oh. <laughs> what, do you, what do you call those? Those over, the overflows or whatever we're putting yeah, in? Yeah, overflow valves. So we got the acrylic. We measured it out for 300 gallons. What do you use to put it together in here for acrylic and glass? So if we're talking the actual tank construction itself, acrylic, there's two different ways to bond acrylic. Uh, One is methylene chloride. It's going to give you a really strong mechanical bond, but it's going to give you kind of an ugly result at the end of the day. You'd use that as the bottom seam. Now, sometimes on corners, 
and especially on seams in the middle, you're going to use a two-part acrylic adhesive that is not as strong seam strength-wise, but does look better. You can buff it out to a perfect clarity. So most tank manufacturers are going to use kind of a combination of those two. Depends on thickness of acrylic. They're going to have to temper it in between. So they're going to make all their cuts and do all the machining. Then they're going to put it into an oven, warm it up, let it cool down at one degree at a time, bring it back to room temperature, and then they're going to basically bond all the pieces together. I don't do bigger tanks. Like I, I don't do the tank construction itself on big tanks, like the one that you guys saw at Kramer's place, mostly for liability reasons, obviously, but also just the logistics of it is if you don't have an oven the size of a train car, you can't anneal acrylic that big. So I assume the company you bought the acrylic from is the one that put the piece, those pieces together? Right. So that would be typical is that, is that uh, most of those are going to come from acrylic fa- you know, manufacturers, acrylic fab companies. So there's lots of, I mean, there's at least a dozen acrylic fab companies out there in the United States that can handle tanks that are between, you know, 100 and maybe 1,000 gallons. There's only a few maybe that can handle tanks quite that size. Given that length, that 20 feet is a tough length. For the most part, right. Your your best bet is going to be to, if you were doing acrylic, is you'd contact an acrylic fab company. You would design the tank, and then you would have them manufacture it for you. But for Jimmy's 300-gallon for Motorboat Incorporated, Motorboatin. you're going to be cutting that one. So if that's the case, the glass acrylic decision would be made first, figuring out which way you're going to go there. Acrylic's going to cost more. It's going to be more clear, but it is going to be much easier to scratch. So scratch removal is kind of one of those things that you have to weigh out in that equation. Me personally, I actually prefer a glass tank. And a lot of people who do what I do for a living really don't agree with that. They like acrylic tanks. That's kind of their bread and butter. I just feel like glass is more practical for the majority of people. So what do you use to put the glass together? We just use silicone to patch. It's the same stuff to put them together. So there is, well, there's an industrial silicone, but it also has to be primed as well. Basically, the primer that's used when somebody comes to fix your windshield on your car, when one of your angry listeners has thrown something through your windshield. We have those. And you get that. Yeah. And you get that replaced. They come, they cut that out, and then they're going to put a new windshield in there. So there's a primer that actually allows the glass to stick to the next piece of glass. And then, of course, to stick to, for example, a plastic frame or a metal frame or whatever it is that you're going to use as your as your top and bottom framework. When you're putting a large tank like that together, do you have to really be careful? I mean, I, I know the set time with acrylic is very quick, correct? Depends on which adhesive you're using, but generally speaking, yes. And it and it's kind of almost a flash cure. So the methylene chloride is almost like water. It's very liquidy. If you were doing a bottom seam with methylene chloride, what actually happens is you set the side piece on top of the bottom and then you squirt the methylene chloride on the edge of it and it gets wicked underneath. As it wicks underneath, it, it basically is melting both of those pieces of acrylic, and then you're putting some compression onto it. When that solvent has evaporated, just like PVC glue or any other type of solvent-based adhesive, it's a mechanical bond. So in the case of methylene chloride, once it evaporates, then there's a mechanical bond between those two pieces of acrylic. They become one. And so by taking those those two chemicals, you're basically just getting a chemical reaction which adheres the two of them together, and, and they're permanently stuck together, correct? Right, and that's that's basically how you end up with the higher seam strength on acrylic is because using the methylene chloride method especially, you're creating a mechanical bond versus where when you build a, a glass tank, you're using the silicone as a bonding agent, but essentially a glass tank is a glass box where the glass itself is sized and thickness to, uh, um, to a frame. 
The thickness of the glass determines the deflection of the glass. The deflection is basically how much it's going to stretch and bend outwards. So you have to size that glass appropriately. So when you go buy a 55-gallon tank from a store, there are two different sizes of glass that you'll look at. So sometimes you'll see 3 sixteenths and sometimes you'll see quarter inch. Obviously, you prefer quarter inch. It's going to be a thicker glass, but either one will technically work. What you're trying to do in, a, in the case of glass is you're trying to prevent enough bowing that that silicone is able to leak on the corners. Interesting. I never even thought of that. A lot of details. So what size tank do you like to switch? Because, again, you like to use glasses all times. What's the size where you're like, all right, I have to do acrylic? I would say once you get above about 300 gallons, unless there are specific circumstances. Occasionally, you could run into something where you could go maybe up to 600 gallons of glass, but I would prefer to probably start looking at acrylic beyond 300. Just because of the strength? More or less, yep. And as the size of the tank, as you get to a certain point, people are going to want to go wider with the tank. I'm a big proponent of going wider. If you guys remember, Kramer's tank is four feet wide versus three feet. Right. So a lot of times you'll see a relatively big tank and it'll be three feet wide. By going to 48 inches in width, it really adds a lot of dimension to the tank itself and it allows you to get in there and, and build out some real structure. You know, and for those people that that have not listened to the extreme Aquarius we keep talking about, about Sean Kramer's tank, which is over 20 foot long, holding 2,000 gallons plus sump. Episode 20 is uh, required for this one, for right. sure. And so that's what we keep referring back to is Sean's tank back back in December we did that, correct? Well, yes. they just got it last week, man. Oh, they just did. Right. That is the magic of cinema. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> so anyway, we keep referring back to that. Ty was gracious enough and got us invited over there to take a look at this tank. And it was incredible, people. And if you want to see... A tank that you can throw money at. This is probably the most beautiful tank I've seen in all my years, and I've been doing this for like 35 years. So let's go over. I was one of my favorite ones. Yep. So let's go over the other pieces. So we have Jim's Motorboat Incorporated. We have selected that it's going to be 300 gallons. You have the materials. You put them together. You've glued them with whatever bond you chose. Now, what do we do for, say, like a stand or topping it? Do you use a canopy or lid? Walk us through that. So in that case, in a commercial build, it's going to be a steel stand underneath it. Uh, then we're going to wrap it with whatever we want it to look like. So in Jim's case, lots of glitter. Lots of glitter? Wow. Yeah, he's going to put it in the back of his business where the strippers are. Yeah, and then also I'm going to keep unicorns and rainbows in there just for fun. He wanted can, mermaids, but less, that ain't PC. Wow. You guys. You can more or less wrap the stand and the canopy with whatever you want. Um, you're looking for something that's going to hold up, obviously. Freshwater is a lot more forgiving than saltwater. But for the most part, it's it's generally speaking, it's going to be wood components or it's going to be wood and laminate combination. There are some PVC products out there and there's some solid surface components out there. Things like the Corian countertops that you see, there are, are parts that can be made out of those. A little more resilient passersby, I guess. Have you ever um, heard of people using like, you, you've been to a trailer house where they have kind of like a nice trailer house to pretending it's a real home? Are there nice trailer houses right. out there? And then you see Not like this really. trailer house skirting that looks like kind of like this cool fake rock or something. Part Can you use that to cover the bottom of the stand? Yeah. Perfect. I, I'm going to do this I'm now. Trying, I'm trying to come up with a joke that fits in there, but. Just don't let the tornado hit the tank. Oh, oh. Wow. Trailer parks make tornadoes horny. That's what it that, is. That's, that's the one. Trailer that's park, that's yes. exactly what it is. That's it. Trailer parks make tornadoes horny. Yes. 
So then on top, what's your most uh, common? Uh, you can make a full canopy to match. I'm assuming you build that out of wood. Is there risk of humidity? I've always wondered about the canopies. There is risk of humidity. So there's typically going to be glass lids on top of the tank itself. So for the most part with canopies, what we're doing is we're building it out of a plywood that can handle some level of humidity. And then in a lot of cases, we'll finish the inside with something like a spar varnish, uh, something that's meant to deal with heat and humidity and then on the outside we're going to laminate it and of course using stainless steel hinges because if it's salt water i mean i'm, I'm assuming that does some damage as well right so salt water is really unforgiving basically any components that are anywhere near a salt water tank you actually have to go one step beyond stainless and go to marine grade stainless otherwise they're going to be short-lived so you're saying salt water tanks are a lot like my ex-wife unforgiving Wah, wah, wah. that was good i thought that i've been waiting for that all no day. more beer that was good. yeah no more beer all right what are the best like do's and don'ts of building a tank so people want to do it on their own this is past the bit jimmy's business people want to do it on their own what are the common mistakes and what are you know some best practices or cheats that you do boy you can a, take your time on this one if you need that's a that's a yeah i, I, I know one of the best now. things that he does on his tanks don't use tempered glass well that too no, uh, you have to use tempered glass for large tanks, but the one thing that Ty does right that that learned early on is he brings the water source right to the tank. So underneath the cabinet is usually a place where you can collect, get water to fill your tank up because you're talking 300-gallon tanks and you need to top it off. You're looking at, at a, a 10 or 15, 20-gallon fill. Right. I just, I, for I, the I, most part, yeah, for the most part, if it's a commercial build, we try to insist that there's water supply, hot and cold, and then a, a drain as well. Yeah, not just cold people. Listen. The more I listen to this podcast, the more I'm realizing that tank building is, you know, 50% location, location, location. Whether yeah. it be water pipelines, the architectural build, lighting. Electrical. It's very much where Absolutely. you place the tank. Yep. That's why the design's so important. I mean, when you do something, it kind of depends on the scale of the tank. The average customer that's putting in a 100-gallon tank, you can get away with placing that in quite a few spots in your house. If you've got one outlet nearby that isn't an overworked circuit, you can probably get away with that. But as you get bigger and more elaborate, it becomes more and more like Jim's wife, unforgiving. <laughs> Ex-wife. Ex-wife. Yeah. yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, my 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 uh, current wife is now in my top three, so love her to death. She's in my top three, too. Is she? Yeah. All right. So what is some of the do's? We, we went over a few don'ts. You know, Don't place it in front of a window. Don't let Jimmy put glitter on it and above all else you know to make sure you have water what are some of the, the do's of building the tank or setup i think the biggest do is the in the design is creating the simplest design to accomplish the goals that you're trying to accomplish so if you're keeping a shrimp tank and moss balls you're going to put a light on that tank that is going to grow moss balls. You're going to put a filter on that tank that's going to do its job and no more. I think poor planning is really the most destructive part. I think doing your homework there you go. is the most important thing probably. Well, let's take that thing. shrimp analogy, right? Let's say that you built, uh, you know, have your tank set up just for the sake of, you know, height. You're only going to be in the bottom or you're going to have to have tiered decorations. Depth, are you going to be able to, you know, see them in the, the corners? Flow. 
let's just say we bought, you know, you said the filter. That was really important. If you overbought the uh, filter on purpose, because that's what a lot of people do. They will, you know, twice the filter just because they want to make sure they can cram as many fish as they can in there. Well, if you have something like shrimp and with high flow, you're going to throw shrimp everywhere. So taking the time for those details. How about with sealants? I have a ton of questions of people resealing tanks, sealing for the first time. What do you do for properly putting just a silicone seal on a basic smaller aquarium? Is it, you know, put a line, put pressure thumb against it? What are the processes there? Because I've never gotten a straight answer from anyone. And who better than the expert? Well, that's you haven't got a straight answer because it's it, it's a tough one. Resealing is even even a professional resealing a tank is still a crapshoot. It's not a hundred percent success ratio. If a person cuts as much silicone out as they can get out and then primes that corner with windshield primer and then reseals with silicone, that's your best bet. That being said, you're still probably only going to be successful about half the time. And you, you'd never want to try to reseal a tank that was any taller than about 16 inches tall. Why is that? Uh, because the, the seam pressure is just going to be too much. When a manufacturer builds an aquarium, they're typically what they're doing is they're they're putting a silicone bead along the glass, and then they're pressing that glass into it. Then they're putting another bead on top, and then they're pressing that bead down. And that's the bead that you see. The initial bead, the initial seal, if that's broken, it's impossible to get back in and actually do that without taking the entire aquarium apart. So you're only able to affect that inside seal. So at best, if you cut it out and you reseal it, you fix the inside seal and not really the structural seal. And so with that, you, you might have yourself a leaker in, in the next year or two. Is there any hope, like say you did it wrong, is there any like warning sign you're going to get or are you just going to have a wet floor one morning? Well, typically if a silicone seam on a glass tank leaks, it typically starts very slow. Glass tanks tend to not blow out unless you're actually hitting it with something. A seam leak is going to be a very slow leak no matter how you slice it. It's going to come out. Typically, if it's on the bottom, you're going to see it come out of the frame. And you're going to have water that kind of lays on top of the frame if it's a plastic frame tank. And if it's a side seam, you're going to actually see that drip coming down the side. But uh, no, you, you don't have to worry too much about blowouts. But the taller the tank gets, the more likely it is to leak. Also, anytime you get glass that wasn't cut and sealed at a 90 degree angle, you're likelihood of leaking gets higher in the case like a perfect example would be the old hexagon tanks that they used to make were always leakers i mean after a certain amount of time you'd maybe if you were lucky you'd get 10 or 15 years out of them but a lot of people had leaks in those after two or three and that was because the glass is cut at an angle correct right and they didn't meet at a 90 degree angle you didn't get a really good bond in there they tended to use fairly thin glass because they thought oh well this looks a lot like a circle so <laughs> must be strong so it was relatively thin glass. It wasn't beveled at a at an angle to where they all met at a 90-degree angle. So it just ended up basically being poor seams. And then on top of poor seams, you had lots of them because there were six sides. So let's talk about types of tanks. That's been on my list, so that was a perfect segue. Hexagons, like you said, can be a nightmare, at least over time. They're, they're going to, the seal is going to go eventually. What about like bow well, front tanks? You assume that um, that whole curb is set and then they cut the edge of the glass at a 90 degree so that would make sense to be more sealed or is that not the case depends on how it's built um, i actually have bow fronts that are built very well where they have beveled those two side pieces of glass to match the front in those cases that's a pretty strong tank especially if that glass is relatively thick so there are bow fronts out there that are pretty good but typically in order of leakers if we're talking just mass manufactured tanks the hexagons were the worst 
Pentagons were probably the second worst, and then both fronts were the third. And the thing I don't like about those tanks, I mean, as cool as they are, when you look at the fish through the aquarium, you get a distortion depending on where you're sitting or standing in the room. And so like the bullfront tanks, you'll get a really goofy looking fish if you're sitting at the wrong angle with the, with the correct light. So that gets alleviated a little bit if they use a low E glass for that bend or if you use acrylic. But that being said, they're very difficult to clean. They're even harder to remove scratches from, and acrylic in general is harder to remove scratches from. And then you take the bow front and you kind of you magnify your problem. No, you brought up a really good thing about cleaning tanks and stuff. You know, we've all been watching TV and we've seen uh, the tank guys that, that are uh, put those tanks together on TV. And we're hearing that the, the greatest, you know, as cool as those tanks are, the greatest complaint we hear from people who own them, casinos and whatnot, is that they're very, very difficult to create flow and to keep clean. Hear that over and over. Yeah, poor design is going to lead to maintenance issues, and then flow is an issue too. But I mean, yeah, you really don't—you really don't know which it is. If it's going to be whether or not they did pre-planning poorly, or if the customer just didn't realize how much you know work it's going to take to do 22, 26 feet of aquarium. Poor design, mostly. Gotcha. So, what other uh, strange designs have you dealt with? Right now, there's a popular one that we see a lot of uh, on internet for custom builds. They're making, the only thing I can really relate with this is an L design. It's like an upside down L. Pretend you have two 55 gallons. You have one set horizontally and the other 55 gallon put, you know, straight up and down vertically. And they have these put together as one tank. I can only imagine the nightmares for the amount of height, especially now that you're explaining to me, the higher it is, the more risk you have for, you know, seam because there's more pressure on it, how that would really work. Sure. I think what you're talking about is commonly kind of known as a drop-off tank. Yes. Um, so in a lot of cases, those are used as reef tanks, actually, where people are kind of trying to create what looks like a natural reef. So if you ever go out snorkeling, you know, you know, reefs are kind of these big clumps and there's a almost 90 degree face. And then there's kind of a top of the reef. And what they're kind of trying to create is that edge of the reef. Is that something that's very popular? I don't think I've ever seen that. It's not super popular. Um, you see them a lot. When you're looking at coral magazines and things like that, it was kind of a trend. Most of them are made out of acrylic. It's not a real practical thing to make out of glass. It is kind of neat because you can create a different aquascape than what you'd be able to do in a typical tank. And I've seen some that are actually really nice. But there's two main issues, and one is the lighting, and the other one is, like you say, the, the cleaning of it. As you get, you know, depending on how deep that deep leg is. I've seen one that was about 36 inches from top to bottom on the deep leg and then the other side of it was about 16 inches so that was relatively practical to deal with you know with a max depth of 36 inches but if you were to get really deep any tank that's particularly deep is really difficult to deal with and i i really try to steer people towards a practical tank just because if you build a tank in the shape of a gumball machine it's cool for a day and then after that point it really is all a downhill slide so if you're looking as a fish keeper to keep a tank even if you want to dress it up some really do that with the surround and the, the canopy versus doing it with the actual shape of the tank itself because you're just you're creating a, a maintenance nightmare for yourself yeah it's very difficult especially when you have such as like a bow front tank or anything that's curved it gets to be very hard without getting your arm into there to keep that acrylic or that glass clean so i can see that it's a lot more work so I have a question on repairs. We get a lot of questions of help on our Discord. If you guys are interested, Discord's a chat that we use for the Aquarium Guys podcast. You can find it on our website. But we have a lot of uh, questions about repairs. So number one, scratch repair. Is there anything you can do? Because we know that there's some sort of repairs you can do for acrylic. Is there anything you can do for glass? 
Glass is a little tougher. You can buff glass. You can use something. Jewelers will use it. It's called Jewelers Rouge. And then you can actually try to buff out small scratches with it. It's not going to become totally clean. You're going to maybe reduce... Visibility of it? Right. You might reduce the visibility of the scratch slightly. It's never going to go away completely. There really is no way to perfectly take a scratch out of glass so that you'll never see it again. But as most people find, you know, when the tank is full and the glass is clean in the sense that you've run an algae scraper across it, they're not usually visible. Scratches become more visible as they grow algae on them. You know, and just, just a word of advice for people, people go, how do tanks get scratched? Uh, I'll tell you, I've scratched more tanks with my belt buckle. As I'm carrying a tank dry, you know, you're carrying it from the house to the, uh, or from the car to the house, or you're moving it from one end to the other. If you have a belt buckle, with metal belt buckle, it'll scratch up glass and acrylic. Terrible. Does that mean you used to be skinny? Because I'm looking at you now and your belly completely consumed your belly. Somebody's going to get punched in the throat again. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> this is where it all starts. I love Nubs. you. Nubs. So back to, also, back to the point. I've also heard, uh, Yeah, here's have you ever seen Plecos scratch up the glass eating it? Because I've heard that acrylic, not glass. I've heard that large Plecos will, when they're like trying to eat algae or whatever, they've actually scraped up the glass. Have you ever seen that, Ty? I got to see they that can. type of yep. Pleco. And actually, um, actually, tangs can too. So there's a family of tangs that are really good at eating algae. A lot of people keep them bristletooth tangs. And if they get to a decent size, they can actually, as they're eating algae off the side of the acrylic, they'll actually scratch with their teeth. Is that because they have braces on, or what's the deal? Right. Yep. They were the they were the nerd in high school. The nerd in high school. <laughs> they were Katy Perry in that last Friday night. Video. Oh, I love that video. And especially, you know, why I love that that Katy Perry video? Kenny G's in it. Uh, Kenny G rocks. Don't Uncle Kenny. Uncle Kenny. Uncle Kenny. Don't laugh. Debbie Gibson also was in that. And for you kids out there who are too young to remember or too old to remember, Debbie Gibson was hot and still is yes people are googling stuff now thanks they to should I, yeah. I mean why not they're gonna giggle it with their inner tubes they should giggle it on the inner tube so the other repair that we get a lot of questions of is my tank's leaking i found the leak is there anything i can do to stop it without having to drain my tank without having to drain the tank no. yeah do you like crack an egg and dump it in your radiator type redneck no, stuff we're looking for here it, it's uh, well no it's unfortunately not like a ba- i have a good fix for leaky basement and that's that you pour uh, Portland cement, a bag of Portland cement outside of where the leak is. And then the water carries it down and plugs the hole. But there is no such treatment that I found for glass tank. What whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what about Flex Seal? Yeah, what about that guy on TV that cuts the bottom of his boat out and then he fills up a screen with that stuff and I don't know. But you have I feel to... like if you, if you guys got video equipment, I feel like that should be your first video. Do you have a boat we can borrow? Because I'll cut the bottom of it off. No, no, no. I, I'm, we're going to find somebody's leaky tank. Go on site spray flex seal so that you can't see into the tank at all yeah because it's just like no no no. they have flex seal tape sir oh tape yes you you <sighs> rip a piece off you yell and scream like you're on tv and then you slap the side of your tank <laughs> where the leak is somebody should slap you alongside the head you dumb dumb that's it i want to do this if someone is out there that has a leaky tank they know of and they're willing to uh, try some flex seal <laughs> we want your video yeah and please do it next to your 65 inch tv so if it explodes i can watch you i'm gonna TV. send it to ty and i'm gonna buy him a personal roll of flex uh flex flex seal flex yeah. tape. it's only 9.99 99. I'm so glad we spent we spent all these years getting away from retail for the reason that those are the types of questions you get asked. All the time. Going to commercial tank construction. All and then the time. We're right back where we started. 
boom. You 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 came full circle, buddy. Boom. Nicely done. Yep. So other questions we get, and this is actually one of them we had on our tips and tricks episode, is what do you do about tank staining? So Jimmy hates scraping tanks. And i got to repeat this one for this episode because we're talking about tank building. I'd rather take the tank and throw it out the window than sit there and scrape it. Jimmy had a pile of tanks. Jimmy didn't want to clean tanks. Don't want to clean them. Robbie got free tanks. Yeah. and, and, and Robbie took a razor blade until his hand went purple. And that's didn't we, cut it that time. That's why we call you nubs. Didn't cut my finger that time, but it did hurt very bad, and I was done with it. So I went and saw that you know the king of DIY Joey. He recommended Barkeeper Secret, and it's changed my life ever since. But uh, there's still a bit of scrubbing. Do you have any you know cleaners or secrets that you use? I'm assuming I can't use Barkeeper Secret on acrylic. Hard water, we use vinegar, but that can be used for coral and algae and saltwater tanks. Any calcium-based grime that's on the sides, as far as algae itself goes, a person can use peroxide. You can use, more or less, you can use just RO water and soak it. Oh, yeah, because RO will strip anything in the aquarium. I didn't think of that one. That's actually uh, pretty genius. Just take an empty tank, fill it with RO, and watch stuff dissolve. Or drive to your local store and buy a new one, dum-dum. No, that, see, we're going to do it in another episode of, you know, the, the hobos tank. Hobo know? tank? H- aquariums for hobos. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, because, you know, who doesn't want an uh, aquarium in their cardboard box down by the river? It's like, find yourself a person that used to wear belts uh, more prominent and get, get free tanks from him. Listen, Santa Claus is fat, and he still can scratch a tank with his belt buckle. You know, this is just going south real quick. You're buying me a pony as well next year, right, Santa? No, because there's weight restrictions on ponies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! And I'm pretty sure when I march out to Clydesdale, you'll take offense. That's it. When uh, Jimmy orders his tank from you, uh, allow me to scratch it first. Yeah, exactly. That way we can just show the audience how easy it is to buff out. Okay, so I remember reading when I was in the pet trade how people would get pistol shrimp in their live rock and a pistol shrimp if people don't know has like the caliber of a 22 bullet when they crack their pinchers would an acrylic tank stand up to pistol shrimp because now people apparently think they're cool pets i've seen or because i know they crack right through glass i've heard of horror stories but would you recommend something like that for more durable stuff Maybe uh, you know, I don't know if they acrylic. could make it through acrylic or not. I, I've had them in my shop before in our acrylic system, and that was actually relatively thin acrylic because they were cubes and had no issues with them, and they would snap in there. I don't know. If, if they hit it point blank, maybe. If it was thin acrylic, it could be an issue. I know I've heard the... I've heard stories about glass. I don't I don't know how. It seems like a one in a million, but... Uh, in theory, they could break glass. It would be more difficult to break acrylic. I mean, acrylic is basically, that's what bulletproof glass is, is acrylic. So how thick does it have to be for acrylic to be labeled bulletproof glass? Or is it just I, you know, by I don't its remember the number. I want to say it's either an inch and a half or two. Wow. So on the, the president's limo, that's the what that is. So those are those are acrylic windows. So it's not bullet. It doesn't bounce off it. What it. Like in the movies, it bounces off. In reality, what it does is actually gets stuck. So the bullet is working its way through the plastic, and it basically gets stuck in the middle. doesn't have enough velocity to get through, and that's why they call the car the beast. Trivia. Right. Trivia. Trivia time. Well, Ty, is there anything that you feel that we miss in this podcast? Any big things? I think we've covered the basics. Uh, more or less, I think the point to remember is just that the design is the most important thing you're going to suffer in the long term without a good initial design and, and a good game plan. I think that we learned that uh, locations, all of it, pre-planning, don't stick your belt buckle that totally wasn't on your stomach in the first place on it. Shut and it up. Try Flex Seal and let us know how it goes. That's right. And and, and maybe getting the uh, electrical and water supply right to your tank built in the bottom 
a lot of these tanks that he's doing, it comes right in the bottom. You don't see any electrical. You don't see any cords. It looks very professional. It's very cool. But don't put the water and the electrical into the same thing. Why is that, Adam? Then you get electrocuted. (laughs) Yes, that's the best part. I feel like that's a future story time. Uh Uh-huh. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Facebook. We're going to get Jimmy back on Twitter. I was on Twitter one time. Were you? Yeah. Yeah, you remember it? Yeah, but then the president took over. You can come join us on Discord. And don't forget, we also have T-shirts, guys. My statement of going in a crop top is still valid. No. And uh, Not going to happen. We'll see you in the next podcast. Let's kick that outro. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Please visit us at AquariumGuysPodcast.com and listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're practically everywhere. We're on Google. I mean, just go to your favorite place, Pocket Casts. Subscribe to make sure it gets push notifications directly to your phone. Otherwise, Jim will be crying in his sleep. Can, can I listen to it in the in my treehouse? In your treehouse, in your fish room, even alone at work. What about it, my man cave? Especially your man cave. Yeah. Only if Adam's there. No. With feeder guppies. No. no. They're endless. You midget loving <laughs> sucking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.